Hi, everyone. This is Anne Loren with the Together We Thrive podcast, Women Working with Women. Today, I am interviewing Kedra Roberts. Hey, Kedra, how's it going? Hey, Anne. It's doper dope. <laughs> That's so exciting. It's so exciting. Thank you for having me on your lovely podcast. I'm too excited. I'm going to bring a lot of energy and spread my dopeness, you know? Like you do. Like you do. I love it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? So, about myself and my work, I'm first active duty Navy. I've been in 11 years, but outside of uniform, I am a life transformation coach. I am a published author, and I'm a motivational speaker. That's what I do. I come in the room, and I shift the atmosphere. That's what I love to do. I love that. You shift the atmosphere from what to what? I shift the atmosphere and I take people from a dark, painful place sometimes and put them into the light that they are. I truly show people how you use your past and you take all the negative things and you put it in a box and then you label that box positive and then you reopen it with a different mindset. So you take what you've been through and what you've gone through and you try to use that in a positive light versus sitting in the negative light with it. Sounds good to me. I love it. It's dope. <laughs> Sounds dope. It's dope or dope. <laughs> How did you get into this work, Kedra? Um, well, uh, I was molested as a kid from about 5 to 14, and I didn't have hope. I didn't know where I was headed. I didn't know what my purpose was, my gift was. I actually got into the Navy trying to run from home, and... I spent half of my life running away from situations, from pain, from failures, from shame, from not knowing my identity. I spent time running and finally um, I was saved at the age of 20 and it was just like a revelation came and I started to just want to look at my life differently instead of just saying, you know, shame and blaming myself and guilt and fear. I'm like, what if I just think differently? What if I just look at the situation differently for myself. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get into a place where I embraced my story versus being succumbed by my story, being suppressed by my story, depressed and loneliness and all the things that um, the Me Too movement, what it can do to you if you don't heal, if you don't break free from it, it can put you in a place that it's hard to come out of. Mm -hmm. And so... Once I was able to do it, I'm like, you know how many people wish that they can do this? I probably should like teach and help people do this. Boom, let's go. That's so dope. So I was like, let's do it. And I was always asked to speak. I was always asked to do, you know, any type of form, especially being an engineer, a black female in the Navy, the struggles that come with that. And just always asked to speak. And I'm like, if people are asking me to do this and I'm not even really classified as a speaker why don't I just put the effort in actually becoming a speaker and um I admire Eric Thomas just being a preacher and a speaker and I'm like if he can do it so can I so it was one of those aha moments like if my pain can help somebody else I'm grateful for my pain because I can now use it as a platform to help heal others um healing is an inner thing you have to want to heal but through assistance and hope from other people's healing it's it's pope. It's possible. Like, 
we did it. You know, we've been through things and we've overcome things and other people that are still in it, they need us to pull them through it. And that's what made me start IME, which is impact, aspire, motivate. And it's really like, I want to impact the world. I want people to aspire because inspire means I'm bringing something out of you, but I want you to aspire, which means wanting to be something more mm. and different. I want you to aspire to be something greater and then motivate through that, you know, spread that love, spread that energy because confidence, healing, love comes from first being, you know, healed in a sense. Yeah, I agree. Super dope. How did you develop um, I Am Me and a coaching program and a writing or in a, a public speaking platform? How did that all develop? I was just sitting one day and I was like, I want to be a speaker. But I was like, I don't want to be the normal speaker. Like, hey, my business is my name because I want to go out of speaking. I just want to be a speaker. I want to be a coach and I want to have a university and an academy. And I want to, I just see my vision being bigger than what I see now. Whatever I see now, it has to be something bigger than that because my vision is just within my sight. No telling what somebody else can pull out of me. So I didn't want to be labeled as my name. And I was like, but I love authenticity. I am me. Hmm. And that's why I discovered I am me. And then I got to like, what do I want to do? I want to impact the world. I want people to aspire to be great. I want people, I want to motivate people. And as I was putting these words together, it's like, I am me, impact, aspire, motivate enterprises. Let's mm -hmm. go. And I was like, okay, what's the colors? Purple and gold, you know, wealth, prosperity, healing, you know, when, uh, coming from a biblical place, this, those colors mean, they have meaning to them, not just the color, but they have meaning to them. And everything about I am me is about authenticity, being your authentic self, loving yourself through authenticity and understanding there's no shame. There's no guilt. There's no fear in loving yourself. And when you learn that you can get in front of everybody. Cause it's like, I'm so confident within myself. I love myself so much. If you don't love me, I got enough love for me. Mm -hmm. And learning that is not easy, but you're capable if you want to do it, you know? So that's where I and me came from. Like I and me, this is who I am. Love me as I am. Or there's somebody else out there for you to love and I wish you well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's dope. Um, how did you, how do you get someone from point A to point B? Like where they're in pain and they're in darkness and they're not loving themselves to feeling inspired and aspiring to do more and motivated um, what is kind of your, what are kind of your steps to empower someone? First, we walk through forgiveness. Mm -hmm. First, you have to want to forgive yourself because we blame ourselves. I remember me, I was like, is it my fault? Did I give him something to make him want to do it or her or whoever? Like, what did I do? Mm -hmm. Like, first, you didn't do anything wrong. That's one thing. We have to forgive and love ourselves. And then facing it. Um, I went and asked, you know, the person who did it, like why and what? And I learned that hurt people hurt people. You were a victim and I was a victim to you being a victim, which mm -hmm. is not a good excuse, but mm -hmm. I look at it in a different light now because hurt people hurt people in relationships. I've hurt people cause I was hurt. Mm -hmm. I didn't hurt them to that extent, but you never know what extent until they come back and tell you like, you hurt me. You broke my heart. You did this. You did that. You do not know what type of pain you inflicted on someone else because of the pain that you experienced until somebody says, Hey, you hurt me. And telling the person like, I don't know your intent. I don't know where you are, but I forgive you for me. 
and actually facing my story like this happened. It wasn't supposed to happen. And it doesn't have to happen anymore. Re-victimizing myself, putting myself in situations where I wanted to say no, but I didn't because my no didn't matter then. It don't matter now. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Wanting people's approval. I put myself in so many situations that wasn't the same, but made me feel the same. And now I take you through that journey of let's face the let's face it. Let's face that pain dead on. And let's cut it off at its roots. And now we work on a forgiveness. We work on how telling your story is a place of healing. Do we need the counseling? Do we need the therapy? What is it that you need that you've been running from? And then it's part of your healing stop because you're waiting on an apology. Getting people comfortable with, if you don't get the apology, can you move forward? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And if this person never comes around and says, this is what I did, I'm sorry. You can't let that stop you from living life. And after we face that, we go into the gifts of exposing the things that are in you that you cannot do because of this situation. You're not healed. You're not moving in it. You haven't embraced it. You fear so many things that you're paranoid. So it stops this, which stops your vision, which stops your dreams, which stops you from feeling like you have purpose. Understand that it's all connected. And when we home in and all those things, people have that aha moment. Like I can do this. I just needed somebody to bring me through, bring me out of it, show me how to look at it in a different light. And I'm like, is forgiveness easy? No. Do you have to forgive and talk to the person? No, I, I can forgive you and let you live your life. I just needed to get that weight off my shoulder. And some people you're so weighed down that you can't stand up because you're so heavy, heavy in emotions, heavy in feelings, heavy just in day to day. How do I deal with my PTSD, my anxiety, my depression? Um, I had, I, I, to be honest, I went into another form of pain and instead of dealing with the pain from being molested, I started cutting because that pain didn't seem worse than the emotional pain I was going through. And some people would be like, what? Yes. I didn't want to kill myself, but I was just like, there has to be a way. And I started cutting at a young age. And, um, luckily I had volleyball, um, and track and sports that I've been into, but people that really loved me and paid attention to the change that um, I did in my life. So that's kind of how I take them through. It's a really a journey and you have to, it's diligence and it's patience. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's really amazing. Kedra. thank you for walking me through that. How has your faith impacted your healing and how how do you see kind of faith um, as playing a role in the healing of others my faith has helped me because I had to really embrace that sin is sin wrong is wrong and there's no level to it so just as much as I need God to forgive me I have to forgive others and that's what helped me do my walk because I'm like, man, if God, you know, said, hey, when you do this certain thing, this really hurts me, but he forgives me. Who am I to scale sin? Who am I to scale wrong? Wrong is wrong across the board. And learning that spiritually, um, it helped me in learning how to love people, not love people how I want to be loved because everybody says, Treat people how you want to be treated, but you don't even treat yourself how you should be treated. 
I want to treat and love people how I need God to treat and love me. And when I embraced that and understood that, it helps me channel negativity, betrayal, lies. You're going to deal with people who just don't like you. And I learned that because everybody didn't like Jesus. And as a Christian, I understood that and I know that you're not here. Everybody's not going to like you. Everybody's not going to approve of you. Everybody's not going to do what they say they will do. Everybody's not going to comfort you and love you the way you want to be loved. And when it happens, as quick as you're offended, you forgive them and you move forward with your life so that you don't carry around so much baggage, so much negativity. And then you put yourself in a box because everything somebody has done controls your life. Mm -hmm. I want it control and I'm like all my life I was taken advantage of I'm going to take control of my life now and it started with my faith and I base everything I do off my faith and knowing that what I don't know he knows if I don't know it wisdom comes from him first I didn't have to experience to understand it if he gives me understanding and understanding that everything I've been through you knew and you're going to use it for what somebody tried to kill me with, you're going to use it to bring life. Mm. And that's a big deal for me because I don't think I would be as strong. I don't think I would be able to embrace it um, if I didn't have the faith part of it, to be honest. You know, God really loved on me so that I could learn how to love myself. That's where I learned love from. I never been in love before, never really felt like love, love that I needed, you know, and... I learned that through my faith. A lot of um, survivors, especially when you're uh, abused young, end up um, developing a really negative image of God because mm -hmm. their experience of love through th their family or mm -hmm. through other powerful people in their lives kind of ends up being projected onto how God loves us too. So then mm -hmm. God becomes an abuser. Yeah, I mean, yes. How did you kind of uncover this like really um, pure love from a higher power when you grew up in a system that, that hurt you? It was hard because the person who did it to me was also a Christian. And so it caused me like, okay, this is what goes on in the church. But then I had to understand that of the flesh is no good. And I had to understand that, um, we, we are humans and we have free of choice. You have to make a decision. Even as a Christian, I make bad decisions. I choose to sin. It's not, you know, some of it is a struggle, but it's really just a hard choice that we make. And it took me a while to see that, like, God can't make you do anything. He can't make people do right. He gives them the choice to choose right. Um, and that's not always easy for some because they were hurt, because what they know, because of what they come from. And some people just don't think it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Some people feel like, you know, we're in families where, hey, that's okay. Don't say nothing. Don't tell your story. Don't tell anybody. Hide it. Don't tell who it is. We don't want to be embarrassed. Um, but it's your truth. And some people don't want to be a part of your pain, but I'm sorry. You're a part of my pain. You're a part of my story. And this is just the way it is. And I just hope one day um, that I'm not that person that's a part of someone else's pain but sad to say I know I am I know I've hurt people in the past and I can apologize all day but sometimes apology is not even what we want we we don't know what we want we just want something and I had to learn like what you want is love hmm. and you want to surround yourself with love and lead yourself by love so that you don't desire it doesn't matter if you apologize or not I just I just want to be loved 
and I'm going to surround myself with that. And that starts with forgiveness and understanding that people have tendencies to do bad things. Mm -hmm. And you just don't know how bad it could be. Mm -hmm. And God kind of shows you a, a separate way. Yeah, he shows you a different way because how he teaches biblical principle, you know, somebody... Hit you on, on one side, you turn to the other side, let them hit you on the side. He says the hardest thing to do is love. He says it's easy to love those who love you. It's hard to love your enemies. Mm-hmm. And if he's telling me to love my enemy, that means from friend, I guess from family, blood, to enemy, there's so many different people in between, you know, our friends, our constituents, you know, people we just cordial with. It's so many people in between family, blood, and enemy. If he's saying I got to love my enemy, that means I need to love everybody in between. Mm -hmm. And that's how I look at it. If you're not just an enemy enemy, and to me, the enemy for me is Satan. um, If you're not him, everybody in between him still needs to be loved. So often um, that principle is used from like the victim perspective to continue to allow someone to abuse them, right? It's like God Mm -hmm. wants me to love you even though you're abusing me. Mm -hmm. But that's certainly not your life or your pattern so how do you reframe that how do you understand that like loving an abuser doesn't look like allowing yourself to be abused how do you loving them is letting it not letting it go but saying look you can't hurt me anymore okay i don't have to talk to you if i don't want to and if we have a relationship then fine but i don't have to talk to you but i don't have to let you hurt me Mm -hmm. i don't have to let you bully me and today it stops Mm -hmm. What I want, I'm taking control of the situation. If I want to talk to you, I will. If I don't, I'm not. You're not going to abuse me. You're not going to put your hands on me. You're not going to do this because there's nothing biblical about that. Some people mistake um, biblical principles with false teachings. There's false teachings out there that say just deal with it. Negative. You do not deal with it. God created a justice system. He created so many things in place. And me speaking up. Um, uh, me saying something, especially the youth, you saying something and somebody going to prison or going to jail or whatever happens to them. It's not your fault. It's part of speaking out and understanding that, um, God takes care of things the way he takes care of them. It's about doing it the right way, mm-hmm. taking care of a, letting the system do what the system should do. And sometimes we are just like, like me, I was like, I don't want my mom to harm anybody. So I didn't want to say anything because I knew my mom loved me. I didn't feel it at the time because what I was going through, but she loved me. And I knew that that's why I didn't want to say anything. Cause I was like, I don't want to lose my mom. Cause she tried to kill the person who's doing this to me. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't say nothing, mm-hmm. but sometimes that handicaps us because it's usually close blood, friend of the family, somebody we know, and we don't want to disappoint our family or our parents. So, um, I went through that battle and struggle as well, but you have to look at it that God didn't tell. God, everything is a choice when it comes to spirituality. But you have to understand that God doesn't want you in pain. He wants you to be in a place where you have a backbone. And I tell people all the time, just because you're a Christian, just because you're some any type of faith doesn't make you a doormat. You're not a doormat. I'm not a doormat by any means. Mm-hmm. You're not just going to step on over me. Like, no, I'll get with you Christian style for real. Mm-hmm. But having that understanding that, Loving you means not having that ought with you, not the anger, the hatred. Mm. You know, if there was a need that I could supply and God told me to supply, I could do it. 
So loving your enemy is is really first like prioritizing yourself. There you go. And protecting yourself. Yeah. And then and then letting go of or for you know through forgiveness the 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 trauma and what's left over of the trauma. And mm-hmm. then once that happens, if you're safe, you can you can reconcile or not depending yeah. on what you feel called to do. Yeah. Forgiveness um, doesn't mean reconcile. It doesn't mean reconciliation. It doesn't mean that you have to, I have to talk to them. I have to be friends with them. No, it just means that you know how I feel and I'm okay with how I feel. I don't want to talk to you and that's okay. I forgive you, but I just don't want you in my life. That's okay. Mm -hmm. Being okay with that. The other person may not be okay, but if you're okay with it, that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's creating a peaceful place around you. You have to create a peaceful environment. Mm Mm-hmm. You have to create your own peace. Nobody's going to give you that. And how did you create peace for yourself? Telling my story. Mm-hmm. Telling my mom. I didn't tell my mom until I was 25. Um, I told my sister. I told my brother. Um, I told my family. I started telling my friends, like, this is a part of me. This is who I am. But this is what I'm going to do with it. Mm-hmm. And not being ashamed or wondering how they felt. I just had to be like, listen, this happened. And guess what? I have to move forward and move past it. And before I tell the world my story, I wanted to at least tell you. And how did they react? It was difficult at first because it was like, what? <laughs> my mom was truly, you know, it took my mother through. And that was the hardest place for me. Because I didn't want my mom to feel like she was a bad mother. Um, for so long, it's like, I wanted her to see. I wanted her to know. I wanted, I wanted, I wanted. But I never gave her a chance. Mm. Um, and that's what some of us do. We... We are mad at our parents for something we didn't give them the opportunity to see or do. And um, that's what it was for me for a while. But me and my mom have the best relationship now since I've told her. My perception and what I thought would happen and how I thought it would be, it was total opposite. Total opposite. So we have a really good relationship. Me and my sister and my brother, like we all have. My relationships with my family got so much better when I started talking. For so long, so many people be like, I don't want to say anything because it's going to, you paint this picture and it can be totally different. You never know until you say something. Yeah. But it was a relief. Like, I don't have to hide. I don't have to, this is who I am. And just telling them like everything I had balled up and suppressed and I built this other person. Now I want to show y'all who I really am. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that's a really incredible story and not the story of all survivors, right? Like my family didn't hear me and they didn't see me and they didn't want anything to do with what happened to me. What would you advise to uh, someone who came to you who had a story like mine? Um, how would you kind of help them heal or, or find peace uh, if their families didn't react so positively? You have to find now your family outside of your family. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, I have some close people that I was like venting and talking to before I even told my family. And that becomes your family. That becomes your safe place. Like, hey, your family didn't take it well, but you told them be at peace because your expectation of their response can fail you. Mm -hmm. It can keep you in a bad place because you expected them to say sorry. You expected them to be on your side and support you, but they did it. But guess what? That's okay. Mm -hmm. You have to be okay with their decision because you can't expect people to think and respond the way you think and respond. Mm -hmm. You have to let them live their life, but you gave them what you needed to give them. Now you have to move forward. Mm -hmm. 
And how does that work? How does moving forward work? Really refocusing. Because what we do, we focus on, this is what my mom and dad and brother did. This is what they did. Stop focusing on them. What are you focused on now? Refocusing on you. What do you, what is it? And I will ask this, what does their apology do for you? Mm-hmm. If they did respond and support you, what would have that done for you that you can't do now? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, it's just stopping you. You're just focused on it. Release them so that you can take control over your life. And now we need to refocus on now what? What do you want? What do you want now? What do you want to do now? Are, is their apology stopping you? It's not. Is their lack of support stopping you? No, it's not. So what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. I feel like it applies <laughs> a lot to me. <laughs> a lot of our conversations. It's really, that's, I tell people, like, what are you doing right now? Why, what is it stopping you? Why are you focused there? And I would get more firm with it because it makes people see like, you need to refocus. Yeah. You're focused on something that you can't control. When you focus on things that you can't control, it takes control of you. Yeah. You have to refocus on what you can control, which is your life, your destiny, your dream and your vision. Yeah. And allow them to come into the vision if they want to, or allow them to stay out if they want to. But the more you focus over there, the more you stop focusing on what you can't control. Yeah. And that's what we yearn to do in life is have control over our life. But most of the time we don't, the control is not taken, it's given. Mm-hmm. You, you're giving them that control because they don't even realize how much control they have over your life. Right. So it's refocusing and saying, how is that stopping you? Yeah. What is that doing for you? If they said, sorry, right now, would that help you? No, it would not. Right. You have to refocus. So then if a survivor were to refocus, how do you help them figure out what they want? Like, what if I came to you and I said, I don't really know what I want. I'm all ready to refocus, but I'm not sure what I want in life. Like, how do you help someone figure that out? You dissect it one by one. We would start with personally, where are you at? You would say, you know, I mean, I have an apartment. I'm working. Is that your dream job? So you get into the nitty gritty like, okay, do you like working where you work? Is that your dream job? Do you like living where you live? Is that where you always wanted to live? What do you, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? Have you ever wanted to have your own business? Do you want to invest? What is it that you wanted to do before you was hurt? What is it that you wanted to do before you find out daddy and mommy were bad Mm -hmm. or mad or didn't treat you or love you? What did you say that you wanted to be that you stopped being? Or what did you pursue before that you quit over and over because you feared the other side? What didn't you do that you really wanted to do? And you start there because they're going to start answering yes, no, yes, no. And by the time you finish, you have a you have a vision board. Like, you really want to be this. How do we get here? You really want this job. How do we get here? Mm-hmm. You really want to be financially stable. How do, and you start putting the pieces of their life together to build that happy place. Mm. Because that's where people are happy, what they're doing, what they want to do. People say, what is success? Doing what you want to do and getting paid to do it. Sounds magical. It sounds magical. And it's simple, but not simple. <laughs> and that's why you need a coach. But yeah. that's, that's the truth of the matter. You have to refocus and find out, who am I besides what people tell me I should be? Now... In my case, my rape story started at two years old. Mm -hmm. So there was no kind of 
cognitive or even verbal understanding of like who I was or what I wanted before the rape started. Mm-hmm. So in, in, and there's a lot of us, right? A lot of survivors like me. So a lot of my process is like, I have no idea what I want because everyone else's wants and needs just always counter mine, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my work has just been naming, it's okay for me to have wants, it's okay for me to have needs. Mm-hmm. And then once it's okay, it's like, well, what do I want? And it's like, I have no idea what I want. I'm 32 mm-hmm. and I've tried all these things and mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really know. I just have to keep exploring. There you go. But that's the thing. You have to keep, because everybody ties an age and a time to it. I was first molested at the age of five. You know, so yeah. I, there was no before me either, but yeah. it's like, what do you like doing? I tried life insurance. I didn't like that. I tried health and wellness. I tried fitness. I tried, so I can tell you what I don't like. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can tell I you quick what I, I don't too. like, but then I started seeing like, this is what list. I'm good at. I love coaching. <laughs> I love sports. I love athletics. I love um, teaching. I love training. I love those things that help other people. Mm-hmm. And that's where I found my niche. Mm. Like. This is what I love to do. This is my lane. And then sometimes you find your lane in your pain. Mm-hmm. Some of us, most of us who've been through something, it's because we're supposed to bring somebody else through it. Mm. And your lane is in your pain. It's like that sometimes. You go back and bring those through that are where you once were. How do you feel... Like you can help someone get through their own pain when it's also yours without getting lost in it again. Because I'm not in that place anymore. You can't help people being in the place. Mm -hmm. And that's why I tell a a lot of people that make sure you're ready to be a coach Mm -hmm. because you can't be where you were. The crying, the being, all that stage is over Mm -hmm. to be in this place. Because now I can take you through it. When I'm telling my story, I'm smiling, I'm laughing. Yeah, right. That's the healing. Like, you know I'm not there no more. No. I have my moments, but I'm like, no, yeah, that happened. But let me tell you about me now, baby. (laughs) You can't tell me nothing. (laughs) Dope. I'm telling you. But that's how you do it. Because you can't take somebody through what you're going through. It's certain people that supposed to go through with you. But you can't bring somebody somewhere you have ne- you have yet to reach. Yeah. And that's what some people don't understand. If you're still hurting, you need to pump the gas and pump right. the brakes and make sure that you don't succumb that emotion. Because what I don't want to do is I'm coaching somebody and I start bawling, boo-hooing, and they're trying to comfort me and I'm the coach. Right, right. And so you have to make sure that you're fully capable and equipped to tell your story and that mountaintop is the end and you're not still in the pit. Yep. And that's what I tell people all the time. Like, you got to watch who you're venting to because you may, it's just like when women are angry and bitter and upset with men, women, whoever, and you go talk to somebody who also is bitter, angry, and upset. It's not good to vent to them because they're just going to help you be negative and mad and bitter and angry. No, right. you want to you wanna talk to somebody like, I was once there. But I had to learn, yeah. I had to develop, shift, and change, and now I'm here. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones you want to talk to. Not somebody like, yeah, forget them, kill them. No, you don't <laughs> want somebody to help you be in the pit. I want you to bring me out of it. Yeah. You know, so that's a big part of it is knowing who's really a coach, who's mm-hmm. really a therapist, and who's really a counselor, like, be non-biased, mm-hmm. you know, but don't be in the pit with them. No, mm-hmm. I'm not there no more. Mm-hmm. 
a few years ago, you would have caught me, you know, crying, boo-hooing, how, what, Jesus, why me? No, now I'm like, listen, I thank God that I went through what I went through because I wouldn't be as magnificent as I am today without a baby. I've seen it. I've seen <laughs> you say that on stage. It was indeed magnificent. It, it is. It is. So I think it's dope. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, where... Where do you find your confidence in this work? I know with with even my own personal process with Blue and Lavender, like some days I'm all in and some days I'm struggling. I'm like, oh, I, can I do this? Like, am I made for this? Or like you were saying, in so many ways I've come so far, but in so many ways I'm still healing. So I feel like I can coach and inspire and aspire uh, with certain topics, but in other ways I'm still exploring so how do you like find so much confidence in this vision of yours and this work of yours in, in yourself to do the work? Like, how do you be all in all the time? It's the testimonies. Mm-hmm. I know if I quit, somebody won't break through. Mm. If I quit, somebody won't make it. If I quit, somebody won't hear hope. Mm-hmm. Every one of us has a designated amount of people to touch in the world. Mm-hmm. If you do not do what you are called and purpose to do, somebody won't make it. And that scares me more than quitting. Mm. That scares me more to, if I don't do it, the people that are affected by it. Versus if I do do it, only I'm affected by it because I have to deal with the challenges and the fears. And I have my days where it's like, today I'm not doing anything business. But then somebody will text me or somebody will be like, I'm going through. And I'll be like, boom, hat back on. Let's go. <laughs> Let's, what you got? What you working on? Yeah. Let's go. And that's where it is when you have people that are truly depending on what you've been through. Mm-hmm. You're their hope. Mm-hmm. And how do you nourish yourself with this work? I mean, a lot of people do it, right? And it's mm-hmm. not always easy. And you're hearing a lot of challenging stories and challenging narratives. And you're, you're putting that hat on and you're being that model and that light of hope. But, like, you need a rest, too. So how do you kind of nourish yourself and keep yourself... Um, stable so that you can sustain the work long term me being spiritual I can't be someone's God I'm not your God I can't fix you I can't create miracles for you Mm -hmm. I can lead you to the water Mm. Um, and I'm the messenger you know and understanding that that I'm just the messenger I'm gonna tell you how it is tell you what I can and you gotta fly baby but (laughs) Understanding that I can't heal you. I can't. I can push you into healing. Mm -hmm. And really grasping that I don't take on your load. I coach you how to balance your load. Mm. When we're on the phone, I'm not taking, taking, taking. How can I fix this? How can No, this is what you're going to do. This is what we're going to do to get you away from that dark place. Mm-hmm. So understanding they're in control still. I don't take anything from them. Yeah. It's when you start taking, when you get heavy, like, oh my God, this person's got this going on and I want to go here and she needs me. No, 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 that's not how this works. You're going to take control, but I'm going to help you control it. Mm. And understanding that relationship there. That's awesome. You're awesome. Dope. <laughs> Thanks, Kedra. So what's your vision for... The next 10 years with I Am Me, what do you want to see it become? I want to see it become a legacy. I want to see it be so impactful that my kids, kids, kids 
will know what I am a did. And that's where I see it. I see it being a mastermind. I see it being a school. I see it being uh, different coaches, groups. I see me having multiple people work side, hand in hand with me that have been through things and are ready to pull people through those same things. Mm-hmm. Just, you almost said, you know, as an evangelist, like missionary work, like mm-hmm. going into the hurtful and painful places and pulling people into hope, mm-hmm. pulling people into love. That's where I me will go. And that's the only way to go mm-hmm. is building it to where it touches the lives that it's supposed to touch. And I think that's where some people quit. They feel like it's not successful. It's not this because they're looking at the number and not on the impact. Mm. If I impact one person, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Two or three people come. Guess what? We finna kumbaya. Mm-hmm. You never know what comes out of a connection. Mm-hmm. Look at us. Look at us. Kedra and I met, um, she reached out to me. She found me on the web uh, through Blue and Lavender, yeah. I think, yeah. and reached out and said hello. And I uh, realized she lived no, no more than 10 miles from me. So we got dinner and became very fast friends. Uh, and I have, in fact, witnessed the power of your uh, healing message as you've mm-hmm. inspired me in a lot of ways to continue to um, heal and to think bigger and to not let my fears stop me in my own work uh an example being we are going to take the stage together yes next month in uh april of 2019 mm-hmm. and uh lead a an event about um called hashtag me to share your story about who we were before we shared and who we were after we shared mm-hmm. and the um the transformational experiences we've had in sharing our own uh our own stories of sexual assault which i'm so excited for i'm excited for it too because people don't understand when you tell your story it's a life changing for somebody Mm -hmm. it gives them hope and with hope there's nothing you can't do hope is a big part of living when you have the hope that something is temporary pain is temporary you got to find eternal peace and when you have hope for that peace there's nothing somebody becomes like unstoppable when they have hope in everything they do it takes hope that's what anybody just needs hope Mm -hmm. you put yourself around the right mindset of people millionaires billionaires successful people um speakers when you find somebody that looks like you that is doing what you want to do you're like i have hope and because you have hope there's nothing you can't accomplish it's like fuel it's fuel that's all you need that's it well, thank you. This has been um, incredibly insightful. <laughs> um, where can people find you? People can find me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, my website is www.impactaspiremotivate.com. But you just Google my name and I'll come up. Voila. I'm not Shakidra Roberts. And <laughs> Shakidra it will be, Roberts. It will be on um on her bio too, which I will include on the website. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. You're so dope. Girl, you're dope. Blue and lavender's dope. <laughs> so is I am me. So is I am me. <laughs> Get some. Bye everyone.